everyone, and welcome to Alchemy Answers episode 23. And we are going to be taking questions from our patrons and from chat. And we're going to go over some great Dota 2 stuff. I think probably a lot of the questions will most likely pertain to Mars. Hopefully. I'm excited to talk about Mars. I've been playing Mars as many games as I can, which is like five at this point, I think. Uh, I try to pick him every game because I want to learn the hero. And he's pretty damn fun. So uh, let's go ahead and take our patron questions, and then we'll go ahead and start taking questions from chat as well because we are... Um, I think the patron questions are going to be relatively straightforward. All right. So have a question from... Oh, replay review. Holy sh... Go ahead. Alchemy Answers Live. Episode 23 Live. Apologies. Apologies. Alchemy Answers. No replay. Okay. Anyway. Alrighty. Questions. Question from Prince. I had a recent game playing against a Tinker as an Invoker. They had a very aggressive lineup, which claimed all Tier 1 and Tier 2 towers in like 25 minutes. I know in order to relieve pressure, you apply pressure, which I did with their Tier 1 towers since it had no backdoor protection. But after that, it was very difficult to push or do anything considering Tinker's high mobility and deep push. I started ghost walking to lanes to camp for Tinker, which secured a couple kills on him. How do I deal with lineups that have strong deep push and makes it difficult to apply pressure anywhere on the map? We won that game after countless base team fights. Okay, so basically when it comes, I mean, I think that the application of your idea is definitely correct, Prince. I think that you definitely want to apply pressure to relieve pressure. That's very good. And the fact that you were focusing on trying to catch out the tinker, I believe, is also the correct response. Now, what you're saying about it being hard to push into the towers because of the deep push, I feel like there's a good chance that you were spending too much time pushing the waves in the game. Just because if you're pushing the waves the way that Invoker can, which is just simply to meteor the creep wave and then go farm the jungle, there's really nothing that Tinker can do about that. I mean, he can push the next couple of waves, but you can just show up and meteor the next wave. Or you can just send, you know, a Forge Spirit with Alacrity down the lane. And that'll take out the waves very quickly. Um, so I would just say that when you're dealing in, especially if they only have one hero that's really good at deep push, you should just kind of look to maybe kill that hero. Itemize in a way that will allow you to kill the hero that is causing you the problems, which is the deep push. And then when you have the ability to do that, you can pretty much solve all of your problems, right? You can provide the push. You can also kill the deep pusher, which means that they can't stop your push. And that would be the solution to your problem. Obviously, Tinker is pretty difficult to catch, but in those kinds of situations, then maybe you need to bring your own wards and place Tinker wards for yourself. Like, if you are really trying to take the game into your own hands, you need to do everything. 
especially if your team is not helping. You can also try to lead your team by asking them to follow you as you push a lane. You can really just try to yo-yo the other team back and forth across the map. I mean, there's a chance that they're just going to let Tinker be the D-pusher, but most of the time in pubs, it's not that coordinated, and people will over-rotate to respond to stuff. So I think that pretty much if you spend all of your resources and time focusing on dealing with this tinker and focusing on dealing with this d-push you're going to solve a lot of the problems that your team doesn't have the ability to solve um so you might want to itemize in a way that allows you to get pickoffs earlier whether it's an early scythe whether it's like i don't know bloodthorn bkb of course very important um but an invoker should completely destroy tinker if you can find him so uh and it sounds like you did end up winning the game anyway but I think that the main issue there is that if if the objective is to kill towers and there's one hero that's keeping you from killing towers, then just kill that hero. Focus your objectives, focus your attention on killing that hero. It's the same thing as like if you're playing against a nature's prophet, it's very hard for you to push high ground if there's a nature's prophet alive always hitting your your high ground. So before you push high ground, you need to find and kill the nature's prophet so that you can freely go push their high ground. Um, okay. Uh, Jenkins, what do you have to say about that? Well, your stated thing about that is, uh, is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know much. I, I'm just a, a simple deer-looking motherfucker, and uh, I think you answered everything, and you're the best Dota player in the world. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but you know, uh, I do appreciate you thinking that I'm a good Dota player. That's, um, it's very nice of you to say, and, uh, I just want to commend you for, um, being willing to say that live on stream, uh, when there's a bunch of people watching, um, because I know that most Dota players really take their ego seriously. And so. You willing you being willing to say that I'm a better Dota player than you is is actually very very nice. Okay, let's go on to the next question. <laughs> uh, I always play party ranks with my friends and currently on a losing streak. We always all draft for team fight and somehow we lose towers very early in the game and by the time mid game happens we're already defending the tier three towers. How, as a support, can I help my teammates if we're losing both Tier 1 and Tier 2, and how to counter the enemy pushing force? So, another question about pushing. Um, I would say that, it's, I mean, if you're drafting a heavy team fight, a lot of the time that means that you have relatively low uptime on your spells. If you're drafting stuff like Phoenix and Tidehunter and Treant Protector and Enigma and stuff like that, you have a window where the other team is going to be able to push and fight you if you have used your abilities. So maybe draft less team fight. That seems like a very simple answer to that part. As far as wanting to take your team fight lineups to that next level where you're not just losing all of your tier ones and twos really early on, um, maybe, again, I would probably draft a couple of aggressive heroes and then keep the rest of your team fight heroes um, as is or your comfort heroes but it sounds like you need to be a little bit more proactive with what you're doing in the game and maybe bringing some of those team fight heroes together early on to defend your towers like 
generally speaking, even if you're in Enigma, you can still show up to a fight and drop a Midnight Pulse if people are pushing your towers, and that'll do quite a bit of work. Um, you know, if you're tied under, you can show up with a mech and anchor smash the wave and at least, you know, threaten the Ravage with your presence there. I would also say that you probably need to itemize in ways that allow you to fight earlier. I don't know if you guys are all going for Midas's or, you know, hoping to get your Blink Daggers online before you fight, but there's usually quite a few different points at which heroes become strong throughout a game. And it's all about recognizing when those power spikes are for your heroes. Basically, if you're always ending up losing the early game, it means that you're not focusing enough on the early game, whether it's because your laning mechanics are not good enough, whether it's because you're drafting and losing lanes constantly, or whether it's because you're just simply not playing in a way that is allowing you to defend your towers. I don't know. It sounds like you guys are a stack. You play together all the time. So maybe spend a little time looking at your replays. Like, look, why are we losing these towers so early? Is it the lanes? Is it the draft? Or is it just simply that you have an indifferent attitude to defending your towers? And going back to the previous question, are you applying any pressure at all? Or are you just trying to sit back and wait for your heroes to hit their you know, late game power spikes or their team fight power spikes? Maybe you need to play more aggressively in the early game and force the other team to not just run down your lanes because they're responding to your team's pushes. You know, that's another way to delay the game is just by being aggressive and throwing your bodies at the enemy side of the map so that even if you do die or lose a fight, the enemy team still has to walk down your lanes and push your creep waves to be able to actually get to your towers and hit them. So um, that's what I would say. Uh, what do you have to say about that, Jenkins? Well, uh, the, the thing about that is uh, I just want to say that you really have just very succinctly and beautifully summarized everything that I was going to say. And uh, I, I really just, I just want to tell you how wonderful you are and how great you are as a part of Dota Alchemy. And I just, I wouldn't be the same person that I am without you. Honestly, Jenkins, you're getting a little bit too personal. I think we should probably take this to a private conversation uh, off of YouTube just because it's a little embarrassing right now. Um, to be, you know, loved so much by you. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, and mute you for the rest of the stream, and I'll just answer the questions. How about that? Um, okay, well, so far, that is all the questions from our patrons. So anyone in chat wanting to ask some questions, I'd be happy to take questions from you. So if you have questions, go ahead and put them in chat. I'll give you some quick answers as well. Do you think people will build Mars to be a carry or be a tank slash pusher? Um, I'm sure that people will be building Mars to play as a carry, just because that's what always happens when a new hero happens or is introduced to the game. People always try to play them as a carry. And people will always try to just do damage because that's what people want to do they want to do damage they want to get kills i think that mars slots in perfectly as a pusher a team fighter an offlaner a tank and that is how i've been playing him and so far i've won all but one game on mars 
which is not saying a lot because I've only played like five or six, but I've basically just been building him as a, I go, what do I go? I go like wand bracers, arcane boots, into greaves, vlads, that kind of stuff, auras. And I've been having a lot of success with that blink dagger. I think that that is the way that he, he works the best. And it, like he he has tools that kind of fill all of his other gaps. Like he's super tanky against physical, so you need some magic resistance in the form of BKB or pipe. He has mana issues, so you need to solve that with stuff like arcane boots and um lads. But then he does a ton of damage. He's very good at pushing. He's good at team fighting. He just needs an initiation tool, so blink dagger. And then because you're a tank, because you're in the front line because people are going to be using magic spells on you, you're going to want something that grieves to either dispel yourself, dispel your teammates, to heal people and sustain the fights longer because you're a hero that does very well in longer engagements um, due to your low cooldowns, due to the fact that you just do a lot of damage naturally and the fact that you're super tanky. Um, so I think that Mars is definitely a tank and a frontliner more so than anything else. And an initiator, I would say. Um, okay. Why is Mardis such a bad hero? He's not. He's really good. Uh, thoughts on Solar Crest? I'm having kind of trouble figuring out exactly how to play Solar Crest or like how to fit it into a lot of builds. It's definitely a really good item. It's super good to put on your cores, but it's so freaking expensive um, that... It feels like it's almost a core item, more so than a support item. It's definitely like a late game support item if you can get there. Uh, but it, I don't know. It's, it's definitely it's definitely a little bit weird. I kind of want to pull it up, just to like look at the stats again, because with the addition of the ultimate orb to the recipe, that just really changed it quite a bit. It becomes Kind of a tanky item because of the armor and the stats. Uh, but then obviously the active is pretty pretty interesting. Like making an enemy lose 70 attack speed is it's good, but it's not great. It's way better when you put it on an ally. So it gives you 70 attack speed. It gives them 70 attack speed. So it's, it's I feel like it's more of an offlane item that you would put on your carry. Since if you're a carry, you don't really want to buy it because you have to use it on somebody else. Um, and like I said, as a support, it's usually pretty hard to have enough gold to buy Solar Crest at a reasonable time in a game. Unless you guys are going ham, but um, maybe it's it's probably really good on like Bounty Hunter. Just because you can get the gold easily and it helps your team out. Uh, okay. Ever thought of doing something better with your life? Uh, Dota? What What could be better than Dota? Dota seems impossible lately. I try to stay positive, but it seems like most of my games are awful. Any suggestions how to restart and refresh? Uh, yeah, we, we talk about this a lot. I would just take a break from the game entirely for like a week. Do something, go outside, figure out like what makes you happy in your life that isn't Dota related. And then once you realize that your games don't really matter, 
to affect your happiness, then you can come back in, and even if games are hard, you're no longer going to be afraid of losing them. Because that's one of the big things with people being toxic in games and people um, feeling helpless in games is that a lot of the times you feel like all of your happiness for the day, or at least for that moment, revolves around having a good game of Dota. If you get to that point, then it's very easy to feel like you're not in control of your own happiness because you have teammates who are going to do stupid things all the time. And that's just part of the game. But if you are feeling like you don't really care about the wins and losses necessarily, you don't care about the MMR, you just want to play good Dota yourself, then a mistake by your teammate is not really going to be that big of a deal because that's just part of the game. It's something you have to adapt to. It's something you have to incorporate into what you're doing in a game of Dota. But if you feel like if you lose the game, you're going to be super sad and you're going to be depressed and your teammate makes a mistake, which gets you closer to losing the game, then that's almost like a personal attack on you and your happiness. Um, you know, then that sucks. <laughs> like, obviously, you don't want other people to have control over your happiness. And so it's really important to separate yourself from the results of your game and try to just focus on playing good Dota and having fun playing Dota uh, more so than anything else. Because if you're a victim of circumstance, then you're never going to be happy. But if you can be in control of your own happiness by having happy things outside of Dota that make you happy, then there's no way for you to be a victim of circumstance. Um, okay. see is lion carry overrated you talking about lion mid because i don't think lion can be played as a carry <laughs> like he doesn't do enough right click damage to be played as a carry he doesn't have enough stats or armor but as a mid i don't know i i always hate it when i see a lion mid but i will not lie i have definitely been carried by a lion mid a couple of times and so I would have to say that it's definitely viable. Is it overrated? I am not aware that people are playing it enough to be overrated, but maybe in certain MMR brackets, people are picking Lion a lot. I know it's like one of the most picked heroes because people really like the idea of Finger of Death having infinite scaling. Um, so it's kind of hard to say. I don't. I really don't like the whole like Shadowblade rush build on Lion. That seems pretty dumb. But I do like when lions build the hero in a way that allows them to gank and be a tempo controller, kind of like a Queen of Pain um, or a Lena or something like that. Like blank and you know enough mono regeneration. Aether Lens, I think, is pretty important on the hero. Um, so I don't really have an answer to that because I honestly haven't seen a whole lot of lion mid just a couple times here and there. And it seemed pretty bad sometimes and okay other times. Um, okay, what else? Sir, is offlane Magnus worth the spam, or should I try some other offlane hero and which one? Uh, offlane Magnus is not very good currently. It's okay. It's okay, but it's really not that good. He's been nerfed quite a bit. It's a hero that you definitely want to be pairing with, you know, a Phantom Assassin, a Lifestealer, an Ursa, a Juggernaut. Um... Terrorblade, something like that. 
and even so it's a hero that requires a lot of actual farm and like space to be made for it for it to have a good game so i'm not a huge fan of offlane magnus at the moment i don't think he fights well enough early on to be part of a team that contributes i think mid magnus is potentially okay because that actually gets you those levels and farm earlier and so like i've seen limp and chessy playing mid magnus a few times recently and you know, they go like Echo Saber and stuff. They actually become kind of like a pseudo right-click core, um, get their Blink Dagger very early and fight with that. But Offlane Magnus seems a little slow for the current meta. Um, okay, we've got a couple more questions from our patrons. So let's go ahead and take those and we'll go back to chat afterwards. All right, Prom Prime Operator. As a Nature's Prophet spammer, one thing that makes me feel out of my comfort zone is to play against push, pushing support heroes. Whenever I play, whenever I split push, they can TP to defend their towers without committing too much. What can I do to deal with counter pushing strategies? Oh, this is not even a question. <laughs> Never mind. All right. The question from Hawkillionaire. As a position five, if you... <laughs> it's not even a question. He's just responding to the previous question. Jesus. Okay. Hawkillionaire. Question. As a position five, if you are being tri-land against and can't help the carry get any last hits by contesting or pulling due to aggression, should you both just leave the lane and help elsewhere or maybe go stack camps for him in the jungle? Maybe. Uh, yeah. So... If you are being tri-laned and can't help the carry get any last hits, um, one of the things that you can do is, if you remember there was a video that we made maybe a month ago where Jenkins explained that you can just double wave the enemy over and over so that your wave is always pushing into them and then it's always going to rebound to you and you're going to be able to potentially trade with their two supports when you have like seven or eight uh, melee creeps and range creeps helping you harass them. That's sort of one way you can equalize that lane and relieve the pressure from your carry is by double waving them. Another option is to simply go leave the lane and try to kill their mid, try to kill their carry, because that is going to pull their supports away from the lane with your carry or their other heroes are just going to feed, right? Like if they're tri-laning you, you know where three of their heroes are, which means that if you move somewhere else, it's going to immediately become a much stronger lane for your team because they just don't have a, enough heroes there to counter you. So that's another way you can play it. Another way you can play it is if you're a hero like, if your carry is something like a Terrorblade or um, let's say a, a Lifestealer maybe, um, a hero that jungles very well, a Bloodseeker perhaps, you could just have them go jungle. And then you as a support stay in lane if you have good D-push, like you're a Keeper of the Light or a Jakiro um, or a Shadow Shaman or something like that. And you can just push the wave out over and over and keep them from taking your tower at like 5 or 10 minutes and your carry is just free farming in the jungle. That's another thing that you can do. Um, that one's not as good because once they realize that the support, you are just there taking the farm, they're probably either going to roam into your jungle or their supports are going to go leave and kill your other lanes so that's probably option number like c or d um on the list 
and I would highly recommend trying to figure out other solutions than that. Um, I do think that if you're a hero, if you have a hero like Void or Anti Mage, um, somebody that's relatively survivable, or you have a super tanky hero like I don't know Lycan or DK in your safe lane, then you can also just go stack for them and allow them to come back into the game later. But if you have a regular carry hero like I don't know a Spectre or a Luna or a Morphling or something like that, and they're trilaning them and you leave them alone, they're just gonna feed most of the time. And so you need to come up with something that is going to distract the other team and pull them somewhere else, I would say. That's probably your best option. Like the, you know, you can relieve pressure by putting on pressure. So go to another lane, kill that other lane, kill the mid so that the mid starts crying to his team, supports, they need help. Then they break up the tri-lane and suddenly you have an experience advantage against the heroes that were tri-laning you uh, because your carry was there getting solo experience. Uh, okay, let's go back to chat. More questions? Um, <clears throat> Legion Gaming says, Hey, Dot Alchemy, I'm new to the game and wanting to play ranked. Planning to main Spectre. Any tips? Uh, Spectre is a pretty tough hero to pull off at the moment. Um, just because the meta is very early game fighting focused. That being said, I think that if you build Spectre as a fighting build, you can definitely be good. Uh, but as far as if you're new to the game and wanting to play ranked, I would highly recommend playing unranked for a while, familiarizing yourself with the meta and how your hero feels in the current meta. And spend some time playing with your item build and seeing what you need and what you lack on the hero. I, like I said, I think that Spectre can be played as a fighting hero. I think you have to go kind of completely different items than you would otherwise, you know, um, stuff like Spirit Vessel, Mantis Style, and then get a Radiance at like 30 or 40 minutes as sort of like a late game damage item, as opposed to trying to go for Radiance early on, like most uh, Spectre players do. And other than that, you know, just like if you're new to the game, just play more. Um, there's really no substitute to gaining knowledge through experiencing the different matchups and experiencing how your hero controls and experiencing how your hero team fights against various heroes and what spells are good against you, what spells are bad against you, um, when you can turn a fight with, with a haunt, when you should just be farming and not waste your haunt to fight. These are all things that you're going to have to learn through just playing Spectre a bunch. Um, but I think that if you just spend some time doing that and like paying attention to what's actually going on in the game, then you will get better pretty quickly. Uh, Micah says, Hey, Elevated, I'm stuck at Crusader 5. Do you have any suggestions with how I can improve? Thanks. Um, fight less. Farm a little bit more. Don't go to every single fight. Have a purpose behind going to a fight other than getting kills. Is the fight near a tower? Is the fight near an objective? If not, it's probably better to just farm because if you just farm more in Crusader, you will most likely be one to two or even three items ahead of everybody else in the game because most people just tend to run to the fight 
and they respawn, they TP, and they run to the next fight. Um, so I would just say really be conscious about what you're doing and whether you're fighting too much and focus on stuff like that. Also, restrict your hero pool to one or two roles and your two or three best heroes in each of those roles. Don't play a whole bunch of random shit. Okay. Um... <clears throat> How can I increase my versatility without losing my MMR? Play unranked. Or play heroes that are very similar to the ones that you play. Like, uh, if you like to play... Example. All heroes are relatively different, but... You know, if you are playing a Tidehunter, then you can probably also play a Centaur. Or other Aura Carrier, tanky Frontliner, in somewhat the same way. If you're playing a Ganker, like... Um, you know, an axe or a legion commander or something like that. Those play sort of similar because you want to play off the map and you want to be creating pressure through going. But the best advice is just to pick a hero that you want to learn, play it in unranked for, I don't know, 10 straight games, like literally 10 straight games. Just first pick it every single game. Pick it 10 times in a row. And then... By then, you'll probably have played against a lot of the counters to that hero. And so when you take it to ranked and you pick it at a normal time, you probably won't get as hard countered and you'll feel a lot better on the hero. Uh, let's see. Sometimes when I get the last pick core and I want to counter the enemy team, I just see they are uncounterable. What's your suggestion in this situation? Um, well, I don't think that a whole team would be uncounterable. But if you're saying that like the hero has, has been banned, that would be the perfect counter pick. I mean, just pick something that's stable. Pick something that isn't countered by their heroes. You don't have to always counter everything with a draft. You can counter stuff with items. Counter stuff with your play style. If you're playing against a anti-mage, for example and there are no counter picks to anti-mage available because they've been banned or you just don't know what would be a good pick against the anti-mage then maybe pick a hero that isn't going to get destroyed by anti-mage pick a hero that has the ability to keep up with him and farm pick a hero that has the ability to punish him for not being useful in team fights pick a hero that has the ability to uh you know take roche and go high ground extremely early in the game or you can just simply pick a hero that you like to play and then play it in a way that is faster tempo than anti-mage or has the ability to win in the late game against an anti-mage like a phantom assassin or something like that you know there's there's plenty of things that you could do if you can't counter pick a hero in the draft and you see this all the time in professional right people will pick heroes they'll get counter picked by the other team they'll counter pick those heroes but it, ultimately, not all of the heroes are going to be countered, and so then you have to buy items. Like, if you're playing against a Queen of Pain and you don't have a Rod of Atos on your team, you're probably doing something wrong. If you're playing against a Lifestealer and you're not buying a Force Staff or an Abyssal Blade, you're probably doing something wrong. Like, all heroes have counters, and sometimes those counters exist as items, sometimes they exist as heroes, 
And sometimes they even exist as the way that you're playing and approaching the game. Okay. As a support player, supporting either an anti-mage or specter can be a headache. Most of the players playing those heroes have a very passive playstyle. That is true. And one of the best ways you can deal with that is you can take a lot of the space that those players are not taking, which means that you can take the dangerous farm. If you see an anti-mage who is trying to get his battle fury, or he has his battle fury, but he's playing on your side of the map, feel free to push the waves because he's not doing it. That's his job, and it's not being done. He's not going to fight with you, so you're already at a teamfight disadvantage. So you might as well take some space then because you just, just empty space that's not being taken. Uh, that's what I tend to do if I'm playing support and my cores are playing very passively or scared is that I will often just end up being the split pusher. And because I'm a split pusher and I'm a support, I'll end up as an overleveled, overfarmed support that if I die, it does not matter because my cores are happily farming safely in our jungle. And basically you can create a huge amount of space by just going to the most dangerous part of the map um, and trying to push it out and trying to avoid feeding at the same time, obviously. You don't want to just like run into the enemy team over and over and, and die over and over because that's not good. But if you, you know, go to their jungle, go to the dangerous lane and you hide in the trees and you push the wave quickly and run away or stay hidden in the trees, you know, show out, throw your spells, hide again, wait for the next wave, show up, throw your spells, wait for the next wave again, etc. cetera. Uh, that is one of the best ways to deal with very, very passive core players. Uh, okay, so a couple more questions from patrons. Let's see. Hurdle says, what's the best thing to do when my team is behind if I'm mid and the enemy team is pressuring my lane with multiple heroes threatening to dive and kill me if I try to defend? Um, pretty tough question just because you don't want to lose your tower I mean if you are playing a hero that has very non-committal push, then I would throw that out you can play very far behind your tower and try to aggro the creeps off your tower and pull them in between your tier 1 and tier 2 and that way it can kind of slow down the push to some extent. Um, but to be perfectly honest, if there is just no chance of defending your tower because you're behind and your team is not going to bring enough people to help you defend and you're just going to feed if you show up and defend, then you should probably just let the tower go and go get farmed somewhere else because at least you know where all of their heroes are and where all of their resources are being concentrated. And as long as they're not pushing your high ground, then... It doesn't really matter if those towers die. Like it does, you obviously lose map control, but if the options are either try to defend and feed and then lose the tower anyway, or <laughs> just lose the tower and get farm, it should be pretty obvious which one of those choices is better. Uh, as far as if it's the tier three, then yes, you you kind of have to defend that because you don't want to give them a free high ground and your team is most likely going to come help defend that. And that defense can be done in multiple ways. It should be done by pushing a lane to make them have to choose between 
stopping the split push and pushing your high ground. And it should also be done by cutting their wave so that even if they do get to your high ground, they don't have creeps to actually hit your buildings. Uh, but those are kind of like the, the two options that you have. You can cut creeps or you can create pressure elsewhere and get farm elsewhere. Um, okay, Justin Ash has another question. <laughs> what are you talking about? Jenkins has been talking this whole time. I just have him on mute because he wouldn't shut up about how awesome I am. Uh, Justin Ash says, my first question is what draft is good in the current meta that can win early game in terms of laning and team fights? I'm position five support who tends to pick aggressive supports such as Jakiro Shaman that can deal damage to enemy support. And I really love to be aggressive and kill them early on. Second question would be, is getting super aggressive with the enemy going to help me win games? Uh, yeah, I mean, as long as you're not overdoing it and feeding and getting punished for your aggression. I definitely think that playing aggressive is usually a good thing. Um, that being said, to answer your first question, what are good heroes to pick in the current meta that can win the early game in terms of laning and team fights? Well, Bane is probably the best laning hero in the game at the moment. Let's actually look at Dota buff real quick because that's one of the great places to figure out what the meta is. We look at Dota buff and we look at the win percentage in the Divine and Immortal bracket. You can see that Bane is being picked a lot and has the highest win rate out of any support hero at the moment. Winter Wyvern is also being picked a lot and has a very high win rate. Crystal Maiden, same thing. Um, Bat Rider support is being picked and played quite a bit. Shadow Shaman is a good hero. You mentioned you like playing Shadow Shaman. Nyx Assassin, Oracle, Leshrac. These are all heroes that are being picked pretty often and are all quite aggressive and have the ability to kill enemies. Um, Shaman, obviously, and Leshrac have the nice ability to push towers after the fact. But, I mean, being aggressive and killing early is definitely going to get your team a decent advantage as long as you're not giving up too much farm to do so. Like, if, if you're constantly pinging the enemy team and telling your carry to come help you kill stuff and they're not getting farm because they're just constantly trying to get kills, that's not good. But if you are able to create pressure and keep people low and bully them off of your cores, then that's really good. Um, so yeah, I think that probably answers the question. Um, PK Panda says, how important is it to bind items to alt keys? I see a lot of higher level streamers having items as alt Q, alt W, etc. Uh, I think that it is completely up to you. I think whatever is the most comfortable control scheme for you is probably correct. I think that if you can, sorry, pop. I think if you can come up with a con control scheme that is comfortable and efficient and allows you to hit your buttons quickly, that's all that really matters. I think that I've actually made a video about how to how I built my hotkeys. And to me, having to push two buttons to do one thing 
doesn't seem very efficient to me. I know that a lot of streamers and people want to just be able to, they have their abilities, and then they want to use those same keys to cast their items. That's fine. If they want to press Alt to do that and they're comfortable doing that, that's totally acceptable. To me, I would rather have my items somewhere else because being with big hands, I have big hands, you can see my hands, um, to like curl my thumb to press the Alt and also hit the keys just doesn't feel comfortable to me. I'd much rather have items on other keys that I can hit in quick succession with my abilities. Like if I was trying to maybe blink Abyssal Mantis style with Anti-Mage, I don't want to have to be hitting like blink on W and then Alt W to Mantis style or Abyssal Blade afterwards. That just, to me, that just feels weird. That's my own preference. Obviously, I'm not a professional player, so maybe I'm wrong, but I would say that just being comfortable and able to hit all of your keys is way more important. Um, okay. How long have we been streaming? 45 minutes. All right, I think I'm gonna do a very quick speed round here for the next like two minutes, and then we're probably gonna call it. Um, so let's take some real quick questions from chat. How do you deal with a mid gyro going masking Madison into MKB with nub boots as a support pudge? Uh, kill the shit out of him in the early game. Is spam being the same here as good for climbing MMR? Fight team lineup. Yes, as long as you are not just picking heroes into very blatant counter picks. What are your thoughts on Bloodseeker as a position one, two, or three? I don't really know how I feel about this here at the moment. He's my most played hero, and to be honest, ever since they made his attack speed scale with his thirst, he feels really shitty to play. He feels very clunky. I've won games with him as position one. I don't think he's a very good position three because he's too easy to bully off of the, the wave. But I might have to experiment with it a little bit. As a two, I think he's fine in certain matchups. I just don't think he's very good in the meta right now. Um, based on how he is currently functioning as a hero. Anyway, uh, is Io good? Yes, Io is very good. How do you get ripped like me? Work out. Uh, what made you transition from low MMR to high MMR? Gone from Archon Ancient in the past few weeks and found that the change is best. Um... Just focusing more on my own game and less on my teammates and like just trying to play enough Dota to stay warm with my mechanics, but not too much to the point where I'm burning myself out and just don't care about the games anymore. Uh, what do you think about gaining MMR as a five position? I think you can absolutely do it as long as you play actively and you're not just like sitting in lane hoping that your team is going to carry you. Um... What do you think about Mars's level 2500 regen talent for the team? I think it's super broken, unless you're playing against Ancient Apparition. Uh, I'm an Axe spammer, but I don't know what happened in the last patch or something. Axe can't solo kill Agi heroes like Jug anymore. Blade Mail, can you explain, please? Not entirely sure about why you wouldn't be able to kill him with Blade Mail, but I think Axe is just generally bad at the moment because it nerfed his, his counter helix so much that he just doesn't farm very fast or pressure very much until he has like 
four points in it. And so probably what's actually happening is you're just really behind on your timings and you just don't feel like you do enough damage early on on the hero. He just doesn't feel very good. He's like not aggressive enough anymore because his damage number is too low. Um, if you're a good position five, you move close. Uh, what are your thoughts on Terrorblade at the moment? Terrorblade's a hero that will always have a spot in the meta because he's simply the best anti-carry that isn't called Faceless Void. He might even just be the best anti-carry in the game. Um, but with the nerf to his Sunder no longer being able to target um, magic immune heroes, he's just really not nearly as good as he used to be. Uh, what do you do if you lost your lane and can't jungle because the enemy team is following you into the jungle? Jungle on their side of the map. Farm the enemy jungle. Who do you think is the best position five at the moment? Bane. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to Alchemy Answers. And thank you for submitting your questions. Thanks, all as always, to our patrons. And, oh, one last question from Justin Ash. Midas or Bracer Null Talisman on position five support? Uh, definitely not Midas. Get stats. You should never be building a Midas on a support, on a position five support. Your job is to place wards and sentries and buy smokes and detection and cast your spells in fights. It's not to get high levels. Um, that's pretty straightforward, actually. So thank you for that question. And thank you, everybody, again, for submitting your questions in chat. We uh, will have this episode up on YouTube here in a little bit and enjoy your games. So good luck, have fun.